Ciao a tutti and welcome to the second episode of Rossoneri Offside, the official podcast of SB Nation's Devil Wears Rossonero. I'm Patrick Stoll alongside Tim Fontenault at Stoll underscore P at Tim underscore Fontenault and at SBN Rossonero is where you can get a hold of us. A lot to get into today, including two red and black W's over Spal and Ludo Goretz with exceptional performances by the man, the myth, the legend, Patrick, all he does is win Cutrone. Plus a few transfer rumors, Max Meyer, Leon Bailey, Marco Royce even out of Borussia Dortmund. We'll get into those. Plus one already completed transfer, Milan's kit manufacturer. It was Adidas and it will be Puma starting in the summer lot to get into and much more again glad you can join us tim what is up my man how was your week ah it's been pretty good patrick i mean especially with these results it's kind of hard to be down right now yeah i mean you can't complain about just an absolute demolition derby four nil away win against spal which you and i talked about was a must win a must result and they definitely lived up to the pressure, and they've been living up to that pressure under Reno Gattuso. What really stood out to me was the win on the road in Europa League round of 32 in the first leg, a 3-0 win over Ludo Goretz. Uh, we had Cutrone scoring one, earning the penalty, which Ricardo Rodriguez put in the back of the net, and then Barini getting another one, uh, past the 90th minute in extra time, which should be the tie. That puts them in a great position. But the standout story is Patrick Cutrone taking the place of the injured Nikola Kajanic and just bawling out. And we knew this kid was good, but he has really stood out for Milan in this past week. And I mean, the season, but he has been exceptional. I think we need to accept that. This this young man, despite what they paid for Andre Silva, despite bringing in Nikola Kalinic, this is our guy. This is the number nine. He is the go-to guy in the attack. And it's incredible to see him come through the ranks as a Milan player. He's been here, what, close to 10 years, right? Going through the youth system. And yep. with time, it's paid off. And he is... He is what we hoped he would be when we saw him start scoring goals in the summer. With Gattuso trusting him now, with Silva not performing, with Kalianich disappointing and now injured, this is the guy. And it's been absolutely tremendous to watch. And all you can do is keep hoping it goes the way it's going. And it's hard to see any other way for it to go. Uh, he's the kind of guy who's... Just getting into getting into the dirty areas. He's not a flashy number nine. He's not going to take on a bunch of defenders and do something crazy like some of these guys you'll see out there. He's not a tall, towering presence like Lewandowski or someone like that. But he puts the ball on the back of the net. It doesn't matter how. It doesn't matter what the situation is. He scores. And we haven't had a guy like that in a long time. One thing that stands out for me and you're absolutely right. I think there is no debate that Patrick Cutrone is the starting striker going forward. You know, I thought Andre Silva was the de facto starter at the beginning of the season, and I didn't understand why uh, Kajanic kept getting time, but 
Cutrone, uh, whenever he got in and whenever he has been in the starting lineup, and shoot, whenever he gets subbed into a game, he stands out every game. He contributes so much to the match, and you can tell how much it means to him. Uh, from the, the game-winning goal against Inter in the Coppa Italia in extra time to this brace against Spal to just a standout performance in the Europa League. There is no going back from this kid. The future is so bright for him. And when you get actual comparisons to Pipo and Zaghi, you're doing something right. And the vision of this kid, his movement, it almost looks, it almost seems like it doesn't matter where the pass comes from, right? Because he's going to find a way to see that ball and get in the right position for it. His positioning, his marking, his vision, his movement is just exceptional. And then just the sheer fact that he can finish like any ball, it seems like. He is the best striker on the team. He is one of the best young strikers in the league. And you could probably make the argument for Europe if you really started looking at it. I mean, the kid, he's not even 20. My goodness. Like, And I, I love seeing stories like this where someone comes up through the youth system. That's why I like Locatelli. That's why I have a soft spot for Calabria. Uh, that's why I didn't want Crociata sold to Crotone, uh, and this is why I want to see youth players from the system maintained and not loaned out. I mean, shoot, Donnarumma, you know, you forget that he's a youth system player because he's just so good for so long, right? If I may cause a little bit of pain to uh, some Milan fans, I'm going to go ahead and say that Cutrone is the best number nine to come through the Milan system since one Pierre Emmerich Obama Yang. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, I Yikes. know. Too I know, soon. but at least that's I, I bring that up because obviously different front office now, different management. You gotta you gotta see where you can go with this kid. I mean, he's not the kind of guy that you sell off for value, like, hey, we raised this guy, now let's make like Ajax and sell him off somewhere. No, you can't do it. And I mean, just to piggyback off what you said about um his ability to score from pretty much any ball that that ball in from Chalinoglu against Ludigaretz. I mean, Chalinoglu was head hunting with that, not just looking for a head to play it in, but I mean, that thing was going to take someone's head off the way it came in just a line drive, low driven ball from the top of the box. And he beat everyone and just knew exactly where he needed to put it. And just, <laughs> it's unbelievable to watch him do things like that. And it just, I think that Gattuso was sending a clear message this week. When we we talked about it on the podcast last week, we figured that Cutrone was going to come in for that Spall match, and then it was going to go back to Andre Silva. You still give him a chance in the Europa League, given what he's done there. No, Gattuso said in the build-up to the game, I'm going with the lineup that's been working. And that was clear. He kept Cutrone in there, and Cutrone has given him no reason to take him out. Andre Silva is going to be rooted to the bench for 65, 70 minutes a game, maybe more sometimes. That's that's the reality of where we are. Yeah, and you know what? I'm okay with that cuz you got to ride the hot hand, you got a hot boot, whatever you want. You got to ride that and right now Cutrone 
is the man. And he, I mean, he's the best striker that we've seen on this team. I mean, what last year was Baca. I'm not, I don't want to say he's not Pipo and Zaghi. I don't want to put that pressure on him. I don't want him to have the set of appearances and goal records and legendary status. I don't want him to have to live up to that, which that's why I don't like saying, oh, he's like Inzaghi. But I mean, he's one of the better strikers we've had since the likes of Pato and Ibra roam the field for us. Because since they left, it's been a carousel. So he is one of the brightest young players that this system has produced. And of course, I don't want to exclude Donnarumma from that. I don't want to exclude even Locatelli from that. You know, there's a reason that Milan has been able to compete a lot, and that is they produce some really, really good youth players. They have a heck of a system. And I mean, Maldini's kids are in the youth system. So I'm, I'm waiting for that. Um, but that, I digress. Cutrone has been absolutely incredible. Um, I couldn't be more happy for the kid. Uh, he almost single-handedly... Now, Chalinoglu has had two great games. Belia even had a fantastic game um, against Ludogorets in the Europa League and actually scored against Spal. And these are the kind of confidence-boosting wins. These are the kind of wins, one, that they needed, and two, that just keep driving. And with a manager like Reno Gattuso, who is very emotional and who's very uh, driving of his team, these are wins just like the Inter win, uh, just like... Uh, some of these results that they've cranked out recently, these are things that just keep the momentum rolling, keep it going, keep it going. Uh, the second leg of the Ludogorets tie in the Europa League is next week. They don't get a week off in between like in the Champions League. Um, but first, Milan is going to have to play Sampdoria. Uh, so it's Sampdoria, and then they host Ludogorets. Uh, both winnable games, but... Sampdoria is going to be a tricky, tricky game. Uh, there's a reason Sampdoria is sitting in sixth right now. Uh, actually, a convenient three points ahead of Milan. Oh, so this that? is a crucial game. <laughs> how about that is right? <laughs> this is going to be a, a real... I mean, it's it's crucial. Uh, because after they have this match against Sampdoria, so they host Sampdoria, they host Ludogorets, and then they have to travel to Roma... And then they travel to Lazio in the second leg of the Coppa Italia semifinal. So, you know, we've been talking for a while about how important these matches are. Uh, every match has been important, it seems like, since, like, October, when they were just so poor. But now, oh my goodness, this is... It. If they keep performing like this, I have no concern, though, the more that I see these results, the more faith I have in Reno Gattuso. And, I mean, the more faith I have, I can't imagine how much the players admire him and look up to him and 
I mean, love playing from. They clearly do. Bonaventura said today that he hopes that Reno Gattuso can stay long term and that he isn't just a caretaker. And we discussed this on the other on our past podcast. I'm good with that. And if the players love playing for him, I'm all in. Yeah, we're seeing a completely revived team under him. I mean, there's there's an energy there that wasn't there. And we've we talked about this for a long time on the podcast last week. I mean, it's a revitalization that really was kind of unexpected in a way. But again, if anyone could do it with this team, it was Gattuso. And the thing I love, you and I talked about it earlier, was is the way they win this game 3-0 and against Ludogratz. And let's be real, it wasn't the most exciting game. It was your typical first leg Europa League match in Bulgaria. It was kind of two teams feeling each other out. Neither really was able to take advantage early in the game, but in a way, Milan had a stranglehold on that match. They they picked their times to get the goals, and they were effective throughout. They kind of suffocated Ludogrets throughout and are now in position where they're in the last 16 pretty much. I mean, that's that was a phenomenal performance in many ways, but it wasn't good enough for Gattuso. He said after the match that he's actually angry. He said, we didn't develop our attacking moves properly. Uh, he says, what does reassure me is the growing confidence in the team, even among those who do not play as much. I want everyone to be ready and in good shape when called upon. He's been really systematic in the way he talks about this team in ways like that, where he's not going to be like Vincenzo Montella was after matches that they dropped significant points against inferior opponents and like, well, I thought we put in a good effort. I thought we did this. I thought we did that. No. The excuses. Yeah, exactly. We you know, yep. we see this team win 3-0 and it's not good enough. And that that's going to stick in the players' heads especially like you said they have this massive stretch coming up where they play let's call i know this is usually a phrase you use at the bottom of the table but this is kind of a european six-pointer against sampdoria then you have the ludigrets tie again then you have roma and lazio then you have a derby coming up you have juve coming down the tunnel a few weeks later i mean this is a very difficult stretch and this is where they got tripped up early in the season they weren't playing their best football in those early matches against the Sampdorias, the Cagliardis, the Crotones, the Spals, and they got beaten up for it when it came time to face the big boys of Italy. So Gattuso's not going to let them think, okay, we're starting to win these matches. We've won our last two games, 4-0, 3-0. We're in good position in Coppa Italia. We're in good position in the Europa League. It's still not good enough. You don't just say everything's okay once you start winning. Now you need to prove that you can compete against these teams. It seemed like at some points, like when Milan got those wins early in the season, it seemed like, one, they thought they could just buy the wins or that they deserved to win because of the players they had assembled or they were just really complacent. And I just don't see that with this team, which just really encourages me um, and I know I I do want to have a reality check here that it is Spal and it is Ludogorets. So I understand that it's not like Milan just beat Juve and Napoli and Inter all in the span of a week and a half. 
but they got the job done when they needed to get the job done in two games that they should have gotten the job done and on the back of a player that just has such a bright future in the squad and moving forward. So I couldn't be happier about the the two results. Um, apparently Gattuso could, but you know what? I'm good with that because, again, that lack of complacency is just great moving forward. So, again, uh, on Sunday the 18th, uh, Milan hosts Sampdoria, and then just a few days later on Thursday, uh, so a week from now, uh, they host Ludogorets with a 3-0 away goal advantage. Uh, so that should be pretty much it. Uh, and then, of course, they have Roma and Lazio in the following week. Um, outside of the results that took place it's pretty quiet, you know, the transfer window's closed, uh, there's not a lot going on, but Milan had some pretty big or reasonably big news uh, in the past week, and that is they're switching from Adidas, who terminated the deal that they had early, and they're switching to Puma. They've signed a new deal worth 12 million euros a season, which is about 8 million euros fewer than the adidas deal was but there are reports that there's some massive incentives in there based on champions league and league position etc which i mean we know why adidas canceled the contract they just weren't selling enough jerseys and it wasn't worth adidas's time to stay there i mean i walked into an adidas store and i asked if there was ac milan stuff and they said, no, it's not going to sell here. It's not going to sell. But Juve has part of their deal is wherever there is Real Madrid stuff, there will be some sort of Juventus stuff. That's the reality. Juventus is more marketable now. I mean, and I've had that same situation. I've been in soccer stores in, you know, here in Connecticut, in New York, New Jersey, L.A., I mean, you go in and you have maybe a small selection, like a maybe a, a little bag and a jacket are available from Milan, whereas these other teams have these massive displays. And look, obviously, like you said, we know why Adidas canceled the deal. They're, Milan is not the marketable club that it was a few years ago. Uh, you know, we have, you know, us fans that we're, we have a large following, uh, obviously us here in the United States and there's a lot of international marketing in Asia and it's just there this is a this is what you get when the club falls by the wayside the way it has when it falls off its perch at the top of Italy at the top of Europe they're not in that upper echelon anymore they're they're a Europa League club and this is what you get when that happens and unfortunately I'm I was really annoyed when I found out about this deal I'm not going to be buying a I'm not going to be buying jerseys anymore I used to buy one a season and Puma I hate the Puma kits it's partly because they they don't fit well you, I'm not going to go up a size to where to hope that a Puma kit fits my Stefan El Shawari Italy jersey is the most uncomfortable thing I own so um it's 
it's frustrating. It's just another sign of what Milan is in the eyes of world football right now. Well, I, I take it different, and I totally understand because Puma has that tendency of just being really, really tight. I mean, if you've seen Uruguay play, my God, they might as well be running around without shirts on or just like painting themselves. I look at it a little differently, and again, I wouldn't blame Adidas for canceling the contract because Milan, were they were in talks about this earlier because there were reports in the summer Adidas might be not so hot on Milan anymore. And it's clear that, you know, you can expect a team to go down a little bit, which when Milan did go down, I'm sure the Adidas said, meh, okay, well, they're still in Champions League, they're still competing, and then they just haven't come back yet. So it's not worth Adidas's money or time, especially when it's worth 20 million euros a season. Like, they're not getting that back. So, or they might be, but they might not be getting as much as they want, especially compared to Juventus. And moving to Puma, look, I'd rather have Puma than Under Armour. I'd rather have Puma than Kappa, because Kappa wasn't going to give like any money, right? Uh, What are some of these other, I can't even think of some of these other deals. Umbro, New Balance. So... The only one that I would make an argument that I might have wanted more than Puma is Nike. However, Nike's designs of the kits themselves are very, very plain. They're all templates, and Adidas didn't do... Like, Adidas would have a template for the actual jersey, but not the jersey design. Whereas... Nike is like, all right, well, just, you know, here's your jersey, fill in the colors, here you go. You can see it with Inter every single season. You know, Inter's and Manchester City's look far too similar, like, you know, with the sleeves and everything. So that's why I didn't want Nike, even though Nike's material is so much nicer than Adidas or Puma and actually fits like a regular, like, human piece of clothing. Um, aesthetics aside, and I've seen some concept kits for Puma, as long as they're keeping the red and black stripes, like as long as Puma doesn't try any fancy stuff or like try and get too futuristic or I don't know what they do. Like, I don't want, if you make Borussia Dortmund's kit this year, red and black, that's not what I want. I want what we have this year made with a cat instead of the three stripes like that would be okay to me um i'm not too worried about that long term i don't think it's too embarrassing i think this happens i mean manchester united switch chelsea switch you know everyone changes um and milan aren't real madrid right now you know they were at that level they are not real madrid where you know, at some point, Nike wants to sign with Real Madrid and just give them more money than God, you know. Um, but from a financial perspective, I know there was a concern about the amount of money from the deal. And it, again, it was 20 from Adidas per season, and now it's going to be 12 from Puma. At least it's not too bad of a drop-off. Uh, at least there are incentives where if they perform well in Europe and domestically, which at this point, I'm sure that this is an investment on Puma's part because 
you know, this is one of the top clubs that Puma is with now. Puma has the Italian national team, the Uruguayan national team, Arsenal, uh, Dortmund, uh, Chile, and AC Milan. And probably some other teams in there, but... The only other one that comes to mind is Switzerland. Yeah, Switzerland. So there are some there are some decently big teams that Puma has on its roster. But Milan slots right in there. And it can now be one of the top teams of that brand. So if you walk into a Puma store, I almost guarantee you, I hope, that you'll walk in there and you'll see Milan stuff. Because I know if I walk into a Puma store right now, I'll see Dortmund, I'll see Italy, and I'll see Arsenal. So I can imagine that Milan will be right there. That visibility is very good because it's not getting buried underneath Juve, Real Madrid. It's I think long-term will be fine. I'm sure that at some point, I mean, I don't think we're going to be with Puma for, how long were we with Adidas? Like 20 years? Long time. Yeah, very, very long time. Our our post on the site with the top kits, I mean, it goes all the way back, 99, 2000, uh, 98, 99. We've got pictures of Rivaldo in here. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think we're going to be with Adidas for 20, 25, whatever years. I don't think Adidas is going to be or excuse me, I don't think Puma is going to be built into almost the identity of the club, kind of like Adidas was. But I don't think, like, I don't think Adidas is a big part of Juve's club identity. I don't think Nike is a big part of Inter's. I just hope that the kits look good. As for buying them, I'll see. Um, I have seen Puma scarves, and, like, they put the cat, like, a third of the way through the scarf. So I'm not sure. I think I'm going to stock up on a couple Adidas Milan scarves because they're pretty nice. And I mean, I have a bunch, but like, I'm, I'm probably going to stack up on a couple of those. Um, I just have to know what they're going to look like. I don't want to see any of this diagonal stuff that I've seen. I don't want to see where like the chest has the red and black stripes and that just becomes black. Like, I don't want it to be like an Ars- I don't want it to be an Arsenal kit and I don't want it to be a Dortmund kit. I hope that Puma and the club meet up and like really realize what they what the brand identity is going to be going forward. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you you mentioned the designers not being part of Inter's identity or Juventus's identity, but what is part of that identity for Juve? It's the white and black stripes for Inter. It's the blue and black stripes for us. It's the red and black stripes. And I'm, I just I don't want to see so much change from Puma. Like you said, I want them to make sure, like, hey, this is who we are. We are the team that is famous for the red and black stripes. No matter what we look like on the pitch now, when you see those red and black stripes, you know who that is. It's not. It's not Bournemouth. That's that's yeah, it's not born. It's not born. No, it's not. This is not some team from the south coast of England. This is the seven time European champions. They're still the second winningest team in the Champions League European Cup, despite not having won it in a while. That's one of the most successful clubs in the world. That's 
what you want to see still delivered through the design of the kit. Yeah. And I think, I think long-term it'll be fine. Uh, I don't, again, I don't see it being a 20 year thing. You know, I see maybe 10 years and then at some point, you know, to the end of the contract probably. And then hopefully Milan is in a position where they can sign with Nike and maybe Nike will have a better hold on its, um, football kit development by then but you know just show the puma people um this year's kit last year's kit the 2013 kit uh the 2010 kit uh with the buen and the white collar it just stick with that stick with that we'll be fine i'm not too concerned but it is going to look a little bit different next year um and it'll it'll be interesting. I'm I'm a fan of when new kits come out, so it'll be interesting okay. to look at. Before we put a bow on this, what's your favorite of the Adidas kits? I really like this post that we did on the site, so I'm curious what yours is. Uh, I am a big fan of the ones from this year. Uh, I really do like these. It's just an absolute classic. Uh, I was a fan of 2013, which was. The red and black with the small black in the pinstripe in the middle of the red with the gold on the arms. Um, And I'm looking at our post right now. And, you know, number one was the 2011-2012 with the thin red and black stripes. I like that one. That's my pick, personally. That's uh, I, I have this year's jersey and I have that one. And I, every time I wear that, I just, I, I love the way it looks. And I mean, every time I wear it into work, I'll have a, a coworker who comes up to me and like, he's seen all my different kits and he goes, that's your best one. That is the classiest kit that you have. So that's my personal. My only beef with this article is, and I know that the uh, the Devil Wears Rossonero staff was talking about it, and we were going back and forth. I was not aware that our number 10 on this list was going to be the 2014-2015 Away, which was the, it was white with the uh, horizontal kind of gray-ish or like off-white stripes. The Adidas stripes were red. Uh, the bottom of the kit had a black stripe and then a red stripe. But the logo, the logo yeah. was that Casa Milan orange peel, red, black, stripe ball thing. That one caught me up by surprise when I opened it, too. That was... Uh... That's See, that's my thing. Our editor-in-chief, Jonathan, caught me by surprise. Because when we were all talking about these kits, he did not mention that this was <laughs> going to make it there. He absolutely did not mention. So, Jonathan, I know you're listening to this. Next time, we got to put that 2013 home kit in there. <laughs> um, but it's just like I, I pretend like that Casa Milan logo never appeared on the kits. Right. Because this kit that we put as number 10, I liked the design when it came out, and then it was ruined for me by the logo. Yeah, that was, that was my problem. I liked the design. I was like, oh, this is clean. Like, this is smooth. And then I saw, and then once they said, oh, the Casa Milan logo is going to be there. I said, what? (laughs) 
You mean what? Yeah. That's the Casa Milan logo? Why can't it just be the interior circle of our club logo? Right. Right? Why can't it just be like a cer- I don't know, but <laughs> I that and I'll I'll read what Jonathan has written and of course I I do love this post. I love looking at the kit history. Um the badge was a bit point of contention at the time with people either loving or hating it. Personally, I thought it was cool that same year for us, the Milanese flag on the kit. Now that, that I'm okay with. I have the 2015-16 home kit with the um, the Milan shield. Right. And it was the darker red with the gray on the sleeves. Like, I got that because I studied abroad in Italy at the time. So that I got in a store there. Uh, I also have a Roma kit from that year, which was the Away, which has the map of Rome on the Away shirt. So that was my kind of like, I lived in Rome for a semester thing. But um, the gold trim mixed with red and black along the soft gray horizontal stripes make for a really nice looking shirt. It did make for a very nice looking shirt until they didn't put the traditional club logo and one more thing about branding we'll rattle off a couple transfer rumors and then uh, we will wrap up the episode one thing about branding i don't want to see a complete logo revamp rebrand with the puma switch i that's not what i want i just want to see a, a kit quite frankly it would be perfectly fine if we if the only thing different was the cat on the chest instead of the three stripes agreed that is really best case scenario i don't want to see a whole rebrand i don't want to see we don't need a milan version of the juventus rebrand because i hate the juventus logo garbage redesign absolutely horrendous a street sign so i i that's not what i want um, and when they were talking like, oh, maybe the Casa Milan logo is going to be the new thing. I'm like, nope, oh, nope, nope, absolutely nope. not. I'm not buying anything with it on it. That's that's absolutely. I've seen sweatshirts in the online store where I'm like, oh, this is nice. And then it has the logo. I'm like, oh, orange peel. Never mind. Yeah, pass. Um, it, yeah, hard pass. <laughs> so just to go through a couple of the transfer rumors that have been going on. And uh, again, to the listeners, uh, we do appreciate you listening. Uh, You can check out our work at acmilan.theoffside.com. It's part of the SB Nation uh, network of blogs. And you can follow me on Twitter at Stoll underscore P. Tim is at Tim underscore Fontenot. And the site Twitter account is at SBN Rossonero. So there have been a couple interesting things that have popped up one of which is a fan post that made it onto our website and that is max meyer um i think he would be a pretty good addition to the midfield for ac milan it so according to this fan post it says rumors have resurfaced with the information that mirabelli gave up on him because ac milan signed chalanoglu they can coexist. Chalanoglu is more advanced and can survive with Meyer in the midfield. Meyer is more of a central midfielder capable of moving to an advanced Trey Cortista role. Uh, this would work well with switching 
uh, Chalinoglu in a trio behind the forward, having Suso on the right wing, having a duo of advanced ball-playing midfielders leave more room for Kessie and Belia to be engaged in more defensive duties, breaking opposing counterattacks in case of losing the ball, uh, and Meyer is only 23 years old. It does go on to say, right now, if Meyer was at AC Milan, I'd see him playing in Bonaventura's place. And that's where you lost me. Because if you are thinking about adding to the midfield, I don't want that coming at the expense of Jack Bonaventura, one of our best players over the past couple seasons. That being said, I do like Max Meyer, and I think that would be a pretty good fit. But you have to consider where he goes in the starting lineup. Exactly. And I think this is actually a point you're making now that I think is how I feel about some of the players that we're going to be getting to in a few minutes. Uh, look, Max, Max Meyer, a talented player. Uh, he's a mainstay for Schalke. He's obviously, he's going to be available. Uh, his contract expiring at the end of June. I don't think that's something to overlook, but like you said, Bonav- at the expense of Bonaventura is a tricky tricky thing and i know it kind of contradicts something i said in in my article about one of our players that we'll be discussing but it was something i kind of gave a slight caveat about you can't just push bonaventura to the side especially when you gave him a new contract all that not all that long ago Um, you have frank kessier who has been doing a very good job and is here on a two-year loan with an obligation to buy you gotta be careful about how bringing in new players is going to change the dynamic of a team that you just spent all of last summer completely rebuilding. You you took an axe to the team and decided we're going to start from scratch. And just now, we're starting to see that team come together under a manager who I think is now the right manager, a formation that suits this club, you start to have the pieces working. I don't like the idea of bringing in someone like Max Meyer and paying him the money that is comparable to what he would be getting, say, in the Premier League or if he stayed in the Bundesliga, when you're, you have to keep Bonaventura in there and you have options behind Bonaventura, someone like a Manuel Locatelli who could possibly play in that position. I just don't i think it's in theory it's an interesting idea i'm just apprehensive about how it changes the entire squad yeah i i like max meyer as a player and i like what he could do for the team but i i question how he would fit in because if you're playing a 4-3-3 which is the formation that so far worked right Suso is locked in on the right. And remember, over the summer, people were counting Suso out. And look what he's done. So I, I want to be careful about counting people out. Um, Suso's locked in on the right. Striker is locked in at Catrone. Left wing, evidently, is Chalinoglu. Even though I thought his best role was as a Trequartista number 10 role. He's he's been balling out the last couple games. If he can do that consistently, he's good there. Bonaventura is good where he is. 
Kessier is on the right side. Really the only place for, like, we really need to improve in the midfield is the middle. Um, and that's if you leave Bonaventura there. If you move Bonaventura up, I don't know what goes on that left side of the midfield. That would probably still be Chalinoglu, but they, that has been proven not to really work. So then you could say you need an improvement there. Uh, that's why there were talks about Chalinoglu being loaned out or sold in January, um, which I'm glad that didn't happen. He's too talented. <laughs> that just that sounds absurd when you bring it up right? now. I mean, it. I no. Yeah, Let's, I'll pass on selling yeah, him. No. Yeah, just like I'll pass on selling Locatelli, which someone, one of my associates at another website I write for uh, said, Locatelli is eventually going to be sold. He hasn't improved enough. And I would disagree. I think that he is the long-term future at that position. He's not an attacking midfielder. He's a defensive midfielder. The way I see it is once Bilia and Montalivo aren't good to go anymore, which for all I know, could be next week, right? Because Montalivo could get injured. For Montalivo, it was well, three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> he he has been admittedly <laughs> a little better this season than he was last year, but that's not saying a lot. Uh, I've been done with Montalivo for a while, but they're both over 30, and then there's Locatelli. So Locatelli's going to be here for a while. It's just a matter of when they put him in and when they're done with the other guys. That would be a case where I, I would be okay with bringing Max Meyer in, because you bring Max Meyer in replacement of Montalivo, I know they're not the same position, but you have Locatelli at that position. So if you bring Max Meyer in, uh, and I know I'm kind of pulling a football manager thing, like, oh, him out, him in, that that would be the move that makes the most sense for me. Max Meyer, an interesting name, one that I wouldn't put too much stock into, because if he's a free agent, or he is out of contract... I mean, we could see him just go to Bayern, which happens a lot, uh, especially since he's a German international. That could happen very, very quickly. Uh, moving on to the next one, uh, I want to save the best for last. So Memphis Depay from Lyon. Per Gazzetta dello Sport, uh, Mirabelli's interested in Depay, Depay, who was once tipped as the next Ronaldo at Manchester United, not sure about that, uh, has found his footing at Lyon with 14 goals in 39 games since his move to France when he was out of favor at United. And he was a Van Hall addition at Manchester United, which is the de facto, this didn't work out. And Depay is 23. This is another look that Again, if if he's a left winger, so you're going to move Chalinoglu, where is Chalinoglu going to go? Because he can't go into Bonaventura's spot. One, he just doesn't play there. And two, I don't want you moving Bonaventura. And then we're talking formation changes, etc. So I don't know. I don't know what I think about Depay either. I, I would probably sell this, like buy or sell. I would probably sell this. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, look, the guy's reinvented himself at Lyon since he got there last year. Uh, obviously, it was kind of in the doghouse at Manchester United, and it, you, you love seeing a guy like this start to love playing football again, especially at such a young age. 
you use the football manager example in Max Meyer. I'm more of a FIFA career manager mode kind of guy. And I just, I see this as a situation where like I would do where I, you know, I bring in Yannick Carrasco and I actually did bring in Memphis Depay in FIFA 17. I had both Carrasco and Depay and I had Pulisic and I had Suso and so you're you're shuffling all these guys around just because you need a little rest here, a little rest there. You want guys playing with full stamina. No, this isn't a video game. And you you bring him in, like you said, you move Chalinoglu. And I agree. I don't think the Chalinoglu experience in this in this midfield worked. I figured he would be more of the Trey Quartista as well. That didn't work well either. And I love this formation that Cattuso's playing. Uh, I. You can always invert the 4-3-3 where you take that holding midfielder and you make him into an attacking midfielder. But I don't think that suits Milan's purpose. I think that takes away some defensive hold that some of that help that the back line is going to need. And I don't think anything is worth that risk. I don't see any reason to move Chalinoglu. We were just raving about the way he's playing balls in, the way he's creating for this attack that was so stagnant for most of the season. He's moved into a role where he is comfortable and he is lethal from there. So it, you finally have him playing arguably his best football of the season and you have him in a role where he's comfortable. I don't see any reason to go out and spend the kind of money that you would have to to convince Leon to part with this guy when he's under contract for several more years. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, another thing is Manchester United have a buyback option on Memphis Depay. Also true. A 35 million pound right of first refusal. So they can just get him when he when they want, kind of like Real Madrid had with Alvaro Morata. As soon as he starts really, really balling out to the point where Manchester United is like, hey, they can just bring him back. So... One, I don't think Depay is really a reasonable... Well, it's a reasonable player link. But I don't think it's a target that will be fulfilled. I understand looking at a player like him. 14 goals in 39 games. I'm down with that. We're going to need to spend some money to get him. And I don't think we need to spend that money on that player at that position. And other clubs will be interested which will be willing to spend more, and he will be willing to go to them. He's not going to come here to sit on the bench, and quite frankly, if he plays really well, he's not going to want to leave Lyon. So one of the biggest clubs in France, he's not going to want to get out of there right when he gets his form back. So um, I'll sell that rumor. Again, fine player, not trying to dish on him, but... I, I'm going to sell that rumor as well. And or Herrera. You know, I like this. This this is where we're talking now. Uh, the Rossoneri will reportedly offer more than 35 million euros because Herrera is out of favor with Jose Mourinho ever since they brought in uh, Matic. Herrera doesn't work as well alongside Pogba. Uh, since Pogba likes to work in a free role, and Matic is more of this, okay, I'm going to stay here, and you kind of do that. I would do this. I This is one that I, I buy this, because Herrera was Manchester United's player of the year in 2016-17, and now he's just been pushed to the bench. 
he is 28, 29 in August, and he is one of these guys that, again, like Montalivo out, Ander Herrera in. See, now now we're talking. So I I'm I'm down with this. This would be something that I would love to see happen because he can also he gives you flexibility in the squad where you can move some guys around. Um, he, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm good. I'm I'm reading through this article on our website, and I would I would definitely say that uh, Herrera would be a Herrera would be a hit for me. Hopefully, it would would actually work out, but he would be a he would be a big check mark for yeah, me. Yeah, Ed Woodward, Jose Mourinho, if you're listening to this, uh, Patrick and I can't personally afford Ander Herrera, but please take Milan's money if they're going to pay you thirty two million dollar thirty two million pounds for your former player of the year you're not so distant former player of the year you do it i think this is a fantastic opportunity for a player like this and you know we were just worried about shuffling players around i think herrera is the best fit of all these guys that we've talked about because of his versatility as a midfielder he's he'd probably play in one of those central mid roles not necessarily the holding role i think frank kessier is capable of moving back into that holding role though he's kind of a tank but what i love about herrera is he's a well-rounded midfielder he's capable of first winning the ball in his own end and then he's able to help the build up into the attacking third and create something just on the outskirts of the box i think that he's well-rounded enough versatile enough where you can put him in one of those positions in the midfield and it's going to benefit all over the park i think the only I saw someone complaining that, oh, well, he hasn't done anything at Manchester United this year. Why would we want him? Well, he's only not playing for Manchester United because they decided to go out and get Nemanja Matic. If you can go out and get Nemanja Matic, you go out and get him. That was a good move by Manchester United, and it's, I think it's paid off for them. And if it comes down to Paul Pogba or Andrew Herrera sitting on the bench, I know Pogba has been having a little bit of trouble with Mourinho now, but your first choice in that lineup is Pogba. You don't go and pay hundreds of millions for him for him to sit on the bench. Herrera is going to be available, and I someone is going to snap him up. I think Milan need to do everything they can to make sure that they are in that conversation. Yeah, agreed. I He would be an absolute hit for me. He would slot right in. Uh, I think he would do wonders, especially for the attackers with his ball movement. Um, I, I think it would be a great move. So I'm going to buy that. Uh, we got two more. Uh, Leon Bailey is apparently a target for Milan. Uh, he plays for Bayer Leverkusen, uh, who Milan have a decent relationship with. So this is where it gets interesting, right? Because he is a young kid right? He's 20. He, in in the article that we have on our website, he's compared to a young, healthy Gareth Bale. And he plays on the wing. Um, I would assume the left wing, because we can't be linked to right wingers. Um, you know, he, on the season, he has eight goals, five assists in 19 appearances. Liverpool won him. And Chelsea want him. 
but Leverkusen is the same team that we got Chalinoglu from. You know, this is another... Also, Bailey is signed until 2022. Um, but Leverkusen will only accept um, bids of over 35 million euros. Uh, he is a swing-for-the-fences kind of player, where this is either going to go really well or this is really, really not going to go well. You know, he could either be a Cutrone, which I know we didn't have to buy Cutrone, but bear with me. He could either be a Cutrone or he could be a Silva, right? Where it's just kind of like, like <laughs> not a lot, right? Yeah, exactly. So he, and I know a lot of EPL teams are interested in him. I know a lot of people are talking about him. I understand why. The kid is electric when he's on, but... I I don't know, man. This is another kind of like. I I think I'll end up selling this just because I think someone else is going to swoop him up. But yeah, I I, I just think someone's going to get him before Milan do, and I think he's very much of a swing for the fences player. Is the best way I can put it because either he's going to be great, but remember he is the kind of player that if he does really well. At Milan, someone someone bigger is going to get him. Uh, and by someone bigger, I mean probably like if he balls out at Milan for two, maybe three years, he that's a Real Madrid kind of move. It's the team that popped into my head, absolutely. Yep. And I, you know, you mentioned Liverpool and Chelsea. I've also heard Manchester United involved. I, I love watching Leon Bailey play and it's uh it's exciting for me i've been following him a lot for uh for the sake of my dear friend at espn alexis nunez who is jamaican and if you're listening to obviously many of you will be listening to this in north america uh you want to pay attention to leon bailey because i know you've all gotten pretty comfortable with mexico and costa rica and obviously missing the world cup but the united states kind of being the boys in Concacaf, but jamaica They've got some talent to play around with. And Leon Bailey is one of those guys who is going to, if he gets if he gets into that Jamaican national team, he's going to be absolutely phenomenal. And he's going to light up CONCACAF tournaments. Back to European football. I see Milan going after this guy as a very dangerous game of chicken. I... I'm very apprehensive about a move like this because, like you said, he can either be really good or he could be what Andre Silva's been so far. And Milan are not at a, at a point right now where they can go out and spend upwards of 35 And you have to imagine it's going to be a lot higher if you're competing for with other big clubs to get him. They're not in a situation right now where they can go and throw that kind of money around and hope it pans out. And if it doesn't, oh, well. We are in a very desperate financial situation. So if he if he was to work out, if he were to go spend that money, and you can sell him off to a Real Madrid in a couple of years, great. But if not, you've just spent 35, 40, 45000000 million on this guy who ended up being maybe, say, a Pato who does something for a little while and then just completely falls off the cliff. And you could have gone and 
spent that money in other parts of your team where you need it more. And it's a risk reward that makes me kind of apprehensive at the moment. Yeah. Again, he's an electric player. He's a great playmaker. I, I love watching him play. I'm just, I'm not a hundred percent sold that it would be a 100% home run. Right. I just, I think he's more of a risk for whatever reason. I think he's more of a risk than Ander Herrera would be. I think Ander Herrera would be a lock. I think Leon Bailey would be a very big um, risk game. Um, And, you know, you throw out the figure 45, I would think you could get to 60. I mean, the kid's 20. And if you're competing with EPL clubs who, even though they don't like when it happens, like if Liverpool or Chelsea or Manchester United have a bust of a transfer, like they can move on, right? Manchester United have moved on to where they are currently in spite of the Di Maria and the Falcao transfers. So And you can throw Memphis in there. Yeah, and and Depay, yeah. So, you know, he would be a great addition to the team, I hope, but I I'll end up selling this because I think we get I think we get beat out to him. Uh last one, and this came out today on Football Italia and Calcio Mercato. And I'm just going to read the first couple lines. Milan are reportedly interested in Borussia Dortmund's Marco Royce, who is out of contract in 2019. Mirabelli has been in Germany this week with Calcio Mercato reporting he has been looking at both Royce and Julian Weigel. He'd cost at least 50 million euros with competition from Man City, Man United, and Barcelona. Uh, he's also coming back from a long injury and will be out of contract in 2019. The Rossoneri hope to use their new partnership with Puma to get a deal done with Royce, but there's also interest from Arsenal. So I brought this up to someone today. I brought this up to my producer at Sirius. Uh, Andrew, if you're listening, what's up? Um, and he literally laughed in my face. He said, why in the world would Marco Royce leave Dortmund for AC Milan? And when you think about every part of that sentence, right? You just think, oh yeah, right. This isn't 10 years ago. <laughs> this Right, exactly. Marco Royce is a heck of a player. He is an incredible player. He's also one of the most, I believe, one of the most loved players in the game. I don't think you can actually show me someone who doesn't like Marco Royce. I love him. He's also one of the most loyal players. You know, he's been linked to other teams his whole career, especially when they went to the Champions League final. Oh my God, every team wanted Marco Royce, just like every team wanted Götze and Lewandowski. There's a reason that they, that there were three of them and then there was only one, right? Royce has been with this club through thick and thin. Would I take Marco Royce? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd I'd go on a limb and take Marco Royce. I know he's injury prone. Um, would I take him? Absolutely. He's the kind of player that you can put in, and you can figure out where he goes. But is it going to happen? No, no. I don't think. I in fact. I would go after Weigel 
before Marco Royce. If, if the real story here, I don't know how this lead got buried. I was so going to say the exact same thing. Reporting that he's been looking at both Royce and Julian Weigel. All right, I'm all in on Julian Weigel. Yes, 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 yes. Give yes. me Julian Weigel immediately. There is a reason that Bayern Munich are going to spend a lot of money for Julian Weigel. He is an absolute beast. I, you know, that's that's the real story to me. The Royce thing is kind of smoke and mirrors. I don't think it's not going to happen. I don't think I would love to come back in August and be like, hey, remember when I said this? I don't think, you know, Royce isn't going to happen. I don't think Weigel will happen either. But remember how enthusiastic I was a couple minutes ago about Ander Herrera? Give me Julian Weigel. I will take that. So that's my take on this. I mean, I'd buy both of them, but give me give me Weigel first. I've got to admit, I did not even know about the Julian Weigel interest until you started reading that. And I almost, I was so tempted to just start screaming into the mic and cut you off because I, at that point, I stopped caring about the Marco Royce thing. I, I'm like you, I love Marco Royce. He's one of my favorite players. I, I think that when he's healthy, he is otherworldly problem is he's he's just 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 coming back i don't i don't even think that we had a podcast and he was just coming back like i mean it it's in the last week that he just started playing again so there's so much again apprehension there julian weigel yes over and over again yes to julian weigel i i love what lucas billy has done again he's in his 30s this is a guy you wouldn't have to, we've been talking about shuffling players around with all these players we've mentioned. Yep. Plop them in right in that holding midfield role and you instantly have arguably the best holding midfielder in Serie A and you have one of the best holding midfielders in the world indisputably. I would be all in on this. It would cost a fortune. No doubt. He's He's that good. You mentioned Bayern. There will the big clubs of Europe will line up and wait for this man. Oh, till eighty come. million. Yeah, eighty million at least. Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh, it would be a fortune. But whereas we were just saying that we'd be afraid to spend a lot of money on Leon Bailey, you know what you're getting with Julian Weigel at 22. He is an established player in this club that has been famous for bringing in these unknown kids from their youth setup. I'm talking the Vigils, the Polisics. They have been phenomenal at bringing these players in. And I don't want to call Dortmund a selling call. I still think they're one of the biggest clubs in Europe, but they will get their money for this young man. And it's, it's a matter of time. It doesn't matter if he's Bayern bound. It doesn't matter if it's Premier League. You're going to have to fork over a lot of cash. And do we have that money to do that right now after last summer? I don't know. Probably not. Should we do everything we can to get a player like this? Yes, absolutely. All the indications seem to be he's going to Bayern. However, if you start talking about Bayern's midfield, they're getting a couple too many midfielders for the pitch. If you know what I mean, like Goretzka, Tolisso, Vidal, Weigel, 
you know, you can only have so many midfield players. Meyer, Max Meyer, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But I, I would take Julian Weigel in a heartbeat. I would take Marco Royce in a heartbeat. They're both plug-and-play players, but Julian Weigel would be the man for me. I mean, if, if he is, if that is a serious interest, which I can't imagine not being interested in the kid, you know, go for it. Absolutely. So that is going to do it uh, for this edition of the Rossoneri Offside podcast for The Devil Wears Rossonero on SB Nation. Uh, thank you all for listening. One more time, at Stoll underscore P, at Tim underscore Fontenot, and at SBN Rossonero. Tim, my man, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Patrick. It's been a pleasure. Thanks to everyone who's been listening, subscribing on iTunes, you know, sending us all the praise that you've been sending for this podcast, and we're very excited to be doing this now. Yeah, absolutely. And a friendly reminder, uh, if you're subscribed on iTunes, uh, well, first of all, if you're not subscribed on iTunes, subscribe on iTunes because that is official there. Uh, you can also find us on SoundCloud if uh, that floats your boat. Uh, but make sure to send us a review on iTunes. That will do us a huge solid. For the Devil Wears Russ and Arrow staff, for Tim, I'm Patrick. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.